This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about sling and stuff. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the PFF NFL show. I am obviously Sam Monson. That is obviously Steve Palazzolo joining you guys here on a Friday edition of the show. Okay, maybe not. But Brad, I figured that you would be the Steve parallel because you're actually above six feet. And, you know, I'm angry all the time. So that's why I would get the Sam parallels here. I threw some gas in sixth grade, too. So the the, the comparison really checks out. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I don't know if you're a rugby guy, per se, but... (laughs) I... I've gone to watch rugby matches. I've never I've never participated in it because I don't know anybody that's seen me in person knows I probably would have got snapped in half. It's that's uh yeah, yeah. So I not really a rugby guy, but I've watched. So it still counts. I think it still counts here. Well, hello everybody. I'm Trevor Sigma. That is Brad Spielberger joining you guys on Friday. Appreciate you guys joining the show. We got a jam-packed show for you today. We are, of course, talking the absolute thriller in the desert that was Chargers, Chargers Raiders last night. Obviously, the score didn't matter too much, but there's a lot that's going to be a ripple effect from that game that we're going to get into. We are also going to talk about our three most intriguing teams for the 2024 offseason. So not necessarily teams that we think are going to vault themselves into Super Bowl categories next year, but the ones where, man, they got a lot of draft picks or they got a lot of draft capital. We think there's going to be a coaching change, big roster change, something. The most interesting teams for this upcoming offseason. We're going to give you a couple of our guys for the NFL draft. And then we're bringing back everybody's most favorite iconic segment on the show. Dripper skip to end it all. I'm very excited about that one. Excited to get Brad uh, involved in it. Uh, it's just football favorite. But Brad, how you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Yeah, I was telling the story that I was I was uh, caught up a little bit with something in the first half of the game. And I go on ESPN and it says 42 nothing, And I just closed out of the app. I was like, oh, ESPN's, you know, uh, something's wrong with the app again. And kind of reopened it. I was like, oh, no, this is real. Uh, and then watch the first half this morning. So I'm doing great. We had an instant classic last night. I have to shout out uh, Danny Kelly at the ringer who had a tweet that made me laugh out loud. So Rich Eisen was tweeting about how this was the biggest turnaround 
from a team that got blanked and then scored 42 points in the first half since 1927 um, when the Dayton Triangles did it. And there was a guy named Walter Tinkit Achu, whose nickname was Sneeze. So his name was Sneeze Achu. Uh, and Danny Kelly was tweeting about that. I just, it, I went down a rabbit hole of the Dayton Triangles last night. That's what those games are all about. Like, did it impact the playoffs? No. Um, but you just, you get some, you know, some data that makes you dive down the deepest of NFL or whatever league that was uh, rabbit holes. We have PFF data on that, right? Yeah, like yeah, PFF goes all the way back to the to the, what is it? The Dayton Triangles. Dayton Triangles. Sneeze at you had a seventy six point three grade in that game. Um, shout out Sneeze at you. Yeah. Who comes up with the Dayton Triangles? Is it just because of like I don't know the tri state area? Is that is that where that comes from? I don't Maybe. know. Well, there's somebody. Yeah, somebody tri state area. How, in, how intimidating that, is a triangle? You know what I'm saying? Like it's not an arrow. It's not a spear. It's literally just a triangle, like the musical instrument. It's a good point. Yeah, that's not, not the least intimidating of the shapes. What's the most intimidating shape? A hexagon? What, what, what are you taking? Hexagon's pretty intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got like maximum edges before you start because like an octagon, sure, more edges, but it's close to a circle. So you're like, nah, this right. is soft. It's way too round. I can I can beat the crap out of it out of an octagon. So I think I think you're right. I think it is a hexagon. But a team being named the Triangles, whose best player was nicknamed Sneeze. Not intimidating. We're walking all over them. The Las Vegas, the 2023 Las Vegas Raiders are walking all over them. I was going to say, you know, you mentioning uh, you were kind of like tied up with something. You weren't able to really catch the first half. You checked your phone at halftime and saw the score. That's actually exactly also what happened to the Los Angeles Chargers. They were kind of caught up in something. They didn't know the game. The first half was going on. And then they checked the score at halftime. And they're like, whoa, this got to hang quickly. But just let's let's get into it right there. Obviously, the score didn't really matter. 63 to 21. Um, shout out to a lot of Raiders players that played really well. Aiden O'Connell, four touchdown passes in this game, uh, was distributing the wealth all over the place. A lot of good defensive performances. But you and I were talking a little bit before we hit record here. The main story has to be the fact that the Chargers just looked lifeless. And in a season where Brandon Staley's been on the hot seat, this was this was about as bad of a primetime game as you could possibly have for a guy that's still coaching for his job. His seat is in a sauna on the surface of the sun at this point, I, I would assume. Uh, I mean, yeah, you just had lackluster effort. You, you had, uh, you know, not making good tackles in space or, you know, the rookie Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati who did have a great game, but just burns Derwin James off the line. He doesn't really run full speed to recover on that first touchdown. So, like, even the, the, the leaders of the defense, the guys that bring pride every single week, like, they weren't really showing up and playing well. Um, but also, I do want to shout out. I know they just got shut out, but I've been impressed with Bo Hardegree, the interim offensive coordinator for the Raiders, pretty much since he took over, um, just dropping Aiden O'Connell's, you know, average time to throw way down, doing a lot of different things. He had the, the two Jacoby Myers passes, the second one on, like, a return motion for the touchdown to Devontae Adams. You had play action uh, where Aiden O'Connell had two of his four touchdown passes. He had a direct snap. Uh, to what was it, Brandon Bolden, or, or you know, like it was just there was a lot of creativity, a lot going on there. And I think he's done a good job and and brought a lot of different looks over the last you know month or so. Yeah, and a shout out to Antonio Pierce as well, right? I mean, I don't think that the Raiders are going to be Super Bowl contenders, obviously, all of a sudden, but the fact that that team was playing so poorly, and let's remember before Josh McDaniels got fired. They were kind of in a similar situation, right? I mean, they thought they might have fired him last offseason, and then the reports come out. as like, all right, the Raiders are actually kind of cash poor. That's why they couldn't do it. It wasn't because they really loved McDaniels. It was maybe they didn't even have the money to do it. 
So you go into this season and he's already on the hot seat. And before he ended up getting fired, they were sort of similar to what we saw from the Chargers last night. Like they were teetering on that edge of like players were almost ready to give up on this thing and essentially stop playing for the overall goal and start basically just playing for themselves. And I don't say that like selfishly. I mean, you know, future job status, contracts, whatever it is. They know the team's probably not going anywhere under McDaniels and Ziegler. And so it was it was just kind of a um, an interesting parallel how the Raiders were there like a month and a half ago and Antonio Pierce takes over and you can tell that there is just this new fire amongst the group. Obviously, like Aiden O'Connell starting as well. And O'Connell, you go back to Purdue, gunslinger, man. Two years ago, that guy had an elite PFF grade. He was one of the most intriguing quarterbacks that I had going into the year of last year's 2023 class. His 2023 regular season ended up being like way too up and down. It was it, there were too more too many turnover worthy plays, and so he's a little bit too reckless. But you understand why you take a chance on this guy because here he is in a situation where Garoppolo's hurt, he's got to come in, and he's basically coming in with house money, right? Or you know, fifth round pick, day three pick, and they basically just say to him, "Hey, man, we didn't really have a spark on offense." Go see, go see what you could do out there. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So you could see he's not afraid to push the ball deep down the field. He's not afraid to go to targets of all different shapes, speeds, sizes, whatever it is. And to me, it's just, it was, it was very, I don't know if ironic is the word, but what the Chargers were last night felt like the Raiders team right before McDaniels got fired. And you make a change and it obviously makes all the difference in the world. And these players start believing it again, because the big thing was that these Chargers guys just do not believe right now. That was very, very obvious. I think it's probably one of the cooler points and, and probably points to the parody of the NFL schedule and how week to week you never know, you know, any given send, Sunday, all of that. But even at the highest level with the best talent, frankly, if a team comes in motivated with juice, they can beat the best team in the league, right? Like there still is that element to where like if you're in an NBA game against, you know, LeBron James in his prime, like you could be coming in with the best attitude and mentality ever, but you're probably still taking an L if that team shows up as well. Like it's just it just shows kind of the drive that can go into a football game. But yeah, Aiden O'Connell, what impressed me most last night too was I think a lot of rookie quarterbacks, even if they have it on college tape, they struggle with different trajectories, different speeds, different like types of throws. And I think it's always what has impressed me about CJ Stroud and Houston too. And you saw last night, like the touch pass to Jacoby Myers for the touchdown, even some of the screens and quick outs where it was just good for yards after the catch, like good ball placement, but also just like knowing the correct velocity to throw, put on certain passes. Like you said, targeting everyone, another yeah. rookie, Michael Meyer. I think every catch of his was either a first down on third down or the touchdown pass, like all these high leverage, high moment, um, you know, really embodied the Jason Witten comps that, that he's had, uh, you know, with all these just like important, important plays had a couple good blocks in the game too. But, but yeah, like it was, it, it was a impressive performance from a young guy that should have the job the rest of the way. Um, yeah. And of course they're not, he's not going to prevent them making a move, but you know, in a similar manner to like a Sam Howell, we talk about like, they have a guy that is capable of starting NFL games with a fifth round pick and they can kind of go from there and figure things out from there. Yeah. And I think, he, he O'Connell's not afraid to fail, right? And I think that that's a massive um, trait to have as a backup quarterback and as a young quarterback because we see a lot of 
these younger quarterbacks kind of get in there and they're just they're scared to fail. So you don't even see fully like what they can do because they're so reserved in their abilities because I, I I can't make the wrong read. I can't I can't turn it over here. I can't be just a second late or I'm in the NFL now like that's going to turn into a turnover Then I'm never going to play again. And they just have this fear of failure that outweighs their confidence. And for O'Connell, I had him as you know, I figured that he'd be an early day three pick. But even in my scouting notes of him last year, I said, this is the quarterback in this class that I would draft first at the beginning of day three as a backup and a developmental quarterback because we have seen that he's not afraid to fail. He had the elite season as a junior, and then going into his senior year, it was very up and down, but he never stopped throwing the ball. You know, from people that have coached with him and some of his trainers, like throughout the draft process, talking to me about him, they're like, man, this kid's just confident all the time. And I was like, that's the attribute that I want. And that allows you to be able to stand out early on in the NFL. So it's great to see on the flip side. Um, and I'm glad that we obviously talked about some of the positives for the Raiders. Cause I don't want to take anything away from them, but outlook for this chargers team. We mentioned like, we don't think Brandon Staley is going to be the head coach of this team. Very long, very much, uh, longer. Um, what do they do next? Do you have any sort of direction in mind for like guys that they might go after you think it's going to be offensive coach to pair with justin herbert because the rest of this roster man there's not many players on the chargers that you go yeah we got to keep this guy I, I feel as though the next head coach that comes in here with tom telesco or assuming that tom telesco stay okay we're not assuming tom telesco stay okay whoever it is whoever's going to come in and have their hand on this roster they're going to have a lot of flexibility. There's not a lot of you can't move these players, contracts, whatever it is. So what do you think about the long-term outlook with the Chargers, given what we saw last night? Yeah, so I'll jump into my, you know, shaking my head there. I, look, I get that he is the head coach, so you obviously talk more about head coaches than GMs. I get that some people hate him because he went for fourth down three years ago, and they just, like, that from that moment on, they just decided not to like Brandon Staley. And like Telesco, I wrote about this for a, a general manager kind of ranking article I did. Um, the Chargers in his 10-year tenure, he's, he was there in 2013, uh, there's been one player taken with a pick outside the top 100 ever that returned to the roster after their rookie deal. It's actually Easton oh, Stick. Oh, man, it's, it's bad. Yeah, it's actually Easton Stick, which is funny. So we saw him play last night. And oh, extended, no obviously. way. Oh, yes, boy. That is, the only player in the history of his tenure that has returned to the team after four years of a rookie deal that was not taken with a top 100 draft pick. And then, you know, his trade-ups have all been in the top 75 picks. It was Melvin Gordon, Jeremiah Atuochu, Kenneth Murray, um, and M Manti Teo. He traded up for all those guys in the top 50. He's never traded down. Um, so, yeah, well, with all due respect, I, th I think he's worse than Staley. And I think, you know, he should be fired uh, more so than Brandon Staley should be fired. Um, mm. So, anyway, that that's why I was shaking my head there I, I do not think he's built a a competent roster at all here and so the second piece is you said where are they going they have one of the worst salary cap situations in the entire nfl going forward next year um between just keenan allen mike williams khalil mack and joey bosa you're talking like 120 million dollar cap hits for those four players um, you know, so I would imagine like hopefully Mike Williams recovers, gets healthy. I'm not commenting on that piece, but is he gonna be back next year? I don't know. Khalil Mack is having a resurgent 2023, obviously, you know, leads the NFL in sacks. He actually had five pressures last night, which led all players on both sides of the football. But like, is he gonna be back for his age 32, 33 season? I'm not sure. So yeah, where they're going is they have the franchise quarterback. He's on the, the second and second contract. 
and then they need to fix everything else. Like the offensive yeah. line is pretty good. You got some pieces there. Um, but yeah, like it, the thing with me with them is there's a lot of names there. They're, like if you do a dude, a dude off, a dude draft, whatever. Like <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, there were, a dude off. Yeah, like people always talk about stuff like that. Like yeah, you can name a bunch a dude, of names. A like, dude duel. A dude duel. Yes, like. <laughs> Joey Bosa hasn't been Joey Bosa for a couple of years. Derwin yeah. James, I think this year is having a very poor season. Um, as, as I mentioned, like even their big names, their big guys are late twenties and not playing good football or have had bad injuries. So anyway, yeah, long answer short, where they're going is you got to start this entire thing over and build around Justin Herbert again, you know, with Rashawn Slater, Asante Samuel, like a couple pieces there. Um, but, but very few. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's just like I said, I, there's there's not a lot of guys that you would look at this roster and be like, yeah, these are the players that I would want to stay for a lot of the reasons that you highlighted. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason for the Chargers. This isn't the last time on this show we're going to talk about the Chargers because in the next segment we are going to uh, talk about intriguing teams for 2023 or the 2024 offseason. And uh, guess what? They're one of them. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit deeper as well as some other teams. But before we get to that list. We know that you guys are out there setting up all sorts of lists when it comes to schedules during the day or things that you need to handle. Well, the most important thing on that list should always be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. It was designed by parents for parents to help you get high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes. They've got flexible policies that fit your family's budget with quality policies like million-dollar coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes, and then apply when it is convenient for you all online and to your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family and apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com backslash, uh, what is it, NFL pod? I know it's stock exchange for us. Is it NFL pod? I can't remember. But um, I guess it's stock exchange for if you guys want to use that one. I guess that one works as well. Shout out to stock exchange. Uh, <laughs> stealing the ad. I guess we're giving the ad, but I have the wrong sheet pulled up because I have it from my podcast. Meetfabric.com backslash. Stock exchange or NFL show, whichever one works. Uh, that is me. PFF NFL. What is it? PFF NFL. Okay, there we go. PFF NFL. That is the official one for this show. Meet M E E T fabric.com slash PFF NFL. So that's it's even easier. It's only six letters, it's actually only five. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. So I mentioned that we were going to get to our most intriguing teams that we had for this offseason. We each have three, and I thought we were going to have some repeats. We don't have any. We've got six different teams here, which makes for an interesting offseason coming up. But, Brad, I will give you the opportunity to start here with an intriguing team for whatever reason. So tell us the team and tell us the reason why you think they're very intriguing heading into this offseason. Yeah, so I had the three C's here. I had the Colts, Commanders, and Cardinals. Uh, I'll start with the Cardinals, um, who I think are fascinating for a bunch of reasons. Uh, obviously, they have the extra first-round pick coming from Houston for the Will Anderson trade. Their own pick should be a top five, maybe top ten pick, depending on how they finish this season out. But 
there's just so many decisions to make. Like, are you going with Kyler Murray for the long term? Are you keeping his college buddy in Marquise Brown, who's a pending free agent on the roster? Um, their top ten in, in cap space going forward, even with that veteran quarterback deal. And I'd really like what they did this past offseason. Paris Johnson's coming along nicely. The, the, the tackle they took in the top 10. Um, Michael Wilson, the young rookie receiver, has been really good when healthy and playing. Garrett Williams, the corner out of Syracuse with the torn ACL. I love the idea of taking a guy who you know isn't going to play right away, but you're also not trying to win games right away. And he right. probably went later than his talent would indicate. Um you know, and you go to like BJ Ojolari, I think, has been maybe their best pass rusher um, already as a rookie. So look, the, they still have a lot to do. They have a lot of talent to infuse into this roster, but they have the resources to do so. Um, they had the quarterback, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Do they go trade him, take a Jaden Daniels? Or, or do they maybe lose enough games to get the second overall pick, what have you? Um, but I think the Cardinals have so many different directions to go. And the key for this new regime with Monty Austin Fort and Jonathan Gannon was maintaining that optionality and giving themselves various different outs and different approaches. I like Drew Petsing, what he's done on offense. I, I like everything they've done, which I know sounds silly about a three and 10 football team, but I just think they understand the long-term vision and I'm excited to see, you know, how they continue to build this thing out. Cause I thought their, their first off season, in my opinion, was a home run of understanding where you are and understanding where you're trying to go. Um, but not doing it too quickly and, and putting band-aids on open heart wounds and just taking this thing slow, draft and develop. Uh, it, it's been it's been good. No, I, I, I agree with everything that you said. You know, it's kind of like that Drake meme where it's the three and ten New England Patriots. And you're like, mm, no, 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 I don't want any of that. And then it's like the three and ten Arizona Cardinals. You're like, yes, all right, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. That's actually good. So it's the same record, but they're very different, right? I think they're teams that have. Two very different trajectories. The arrow is definitely pointing down for the New England Patriots. It's pointing up for the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I agree with you completely. It's weird to say about a team with three wins, but you take all the context into account, a new general manager, a new head coach, your starting quarterback is out for the, what was it, first like six, seven, eight weeks of the season. I can't remember how many weeks it was exactly. But not only that, you also cut Colt McCoy like before the season started. So you're just like, all right, Josh Jobs, like figure it out. And so... I think that things have looked better. They looked they looked pretty competent even early on. You know, that New York Giants game they should have come away with. The Dallas Cowboys upset was a big one. And they have just looked a lot more competitive than I thought they were going to be. And if we're going to be honest, you look at this team on paper, they shouldn't be that competitive. Like, even if the rookies are playing early and they're playing decently well, they shouldn't be as competitive as they are. But they are. Um, Jonathan Cannon got some, you know, got some heat for... A uh, little bit of the, what was it, hard knocks? Yeah, like the hard knocks Shots clips. And the, pew, yeah, pew, the, pew. the Rondale Moore, pew, 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 <laughs> shot play. And so people were like, man, this guy is this guy is kind of a, a, a different cat, but it's working. Clearly, this team believes they're playing hard every single week, and you love to see that. So I think the Cardinals, at one point, they were a team where we were saying, yeah, you got to draft a quarterback with your very top pick. You got to somehow get out of this Kyler Murray contract and maybe they still come to that conclusion. But instead, I think it's much more likely that they're keeping Kyler. They've got two first round picks. They're building things really well. And who knows? Like maybe they get to a situation where if they end up picking number two overall and they have another option to trade back and still get a really great wide receiver in this draft or whatever they want to pick first, boom, you get multiple first-round picks beyond that too. So I think the Cardinals are a fascinating team because I didn't believe 
that they'd be this competent early on. And now I'm already excited about what I'm going to see next year for the Cardinals. And um, honestly, what I'm going to see from Monty Austin for in his second year of a general manager drafting, because I really liked what he did in that first year drafting. Um, we'll go to the Patriots next. Patriots are another team that uh, that I had on this list. And the reason is because I feel like they have a ton of flexibility, right? The uh, report comes out that they've maybe already made the decision to move on from Bill Belichick. So with that, that opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Not only is the head coach spot opening up, but also general manager spot, right? Because Belichick has been the de facto general manager for this team since 2000 when he took the job. And that's been a big area of criticism for the Patriots is Bill's a great coach, a great defensive mind. But when it comes to team building, especially when it has come to acquiring and valuing offensive talent, once Tom Brady left, then shoot, even when Tom Brady was there, it just has not been what it's needed to be. You mentioned Tom Telesco's troubles as a general manager. I mean, Bill Belichick's misses in the early rounds are bad. And there's something to be said about, okay, maybe you're not hitting on as many day three picks you need to hit on. Bill Belichick didn't hit on as many top 50 picks as he needed to hit on. So you know that there's big changes that are coming there. There's changes at the quarterback position as well. I cannot imagine that Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi is the starting quarterback for this team in week one of 2024. So you got that to, to bring into the equation. And they have a lot of flexibility. And you're more of the cap guy than I am. But when I researched the Patriots and, and how much um, flexibility that they had this offseason, projected cap space. They have the third most, most projected cap space, the fourth most uh, effective cap space and the second lowest active cap space, meaning the guys that are under contract are not taking up a ton of what they already have. So they, to me, that spells out you have a world of possibilities to bring in some free agents, um, a bigger draft class and entice a head coach and general manager to say you have the opportunity to not only sign the veterans that you would want in March, but also potentially get Caleb Williams or Drake May if they end up with that first or second overall pick. So to me, this is one of the more, if you can get past the fact that the Patriots have been a constant winning franchise over the last 20 years, and that automatically will come with pressure from ownership, from the fan bases, you're following up the greatest NFL head coach of all time, right? Like if you can get by that pressure, this job is going to be more of the more of one of the most alluring ones that we have this offseason. Yeah, and that is a challenge. I think a key here, too, is you talk to people that are up for these types of jobs and you ask, like, what's one of the big factors no one thinks of? The owner and who they're working with is the answer you get almost every single time. And like, I think Robert Kraft has shown time and time again both a willingness to you know, spend on talent and I don't mean just in the football field, but around the building itself to also just entrust the football people to take care of the football and be hands off where it's appropriate as well. Like, I think it's a very attractive job. I, I get it though. Right. It's like following Tom Brady at quarterback uh, for Mac Jones is akin to now you're following Bill Belichick at head coach for this team. Like you said, the fans are going to have, you know, sky high expectations pretty much always, but yeah, no, they, they can, they can go many different directions. You'd hope they they get one of those top picks at quarterback if you're the new guy coming in, um, you know, because they do. They need to make a switch at that position. But, yeah, they're going to be fascinating. The last piece I, I want to throw is back to you. If they trade Bill Belichick, who do you think should be should be in the trade market for, for Billy B? Uh, I mean, should should is kind of a loaded word because Belichick just has. I mean, the teams have not been good for a while. Um. 
the Chargers kind of like come to mind because it's interesting if he like if we have the quarterback situation figured out, like if you have Justin Herbert, then can Bill figure out the rest of the roster and get that to a good point? So the Chargers kind of come to mind, but I don't know if that's a realistic option. Carolina's kind of an intriguing one. Um, him working with Tepper might be an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. So I don't know how well that one would work out, but those are the two that come to my mind. Like some people have talked about him maybe taking over for Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay if Todd Bowles is out because it's been disappointing this year with Bowles. But I don't know. Jason Jason Light, the general manager, has ties to the Patriots organization. You know, before he became uh, a member of the Cardinals organization in their front office, and then that was before he became the general manager for the Buccaneers. So he has those ties, but. It's hard for me to think the Bucs are going to go from defensive-minded coach in Bulls to another defensive-minded coach in Belichick. Maybe Belichick's name and pedigree outweighs that no matter what, but those are the three kind of pop into my head. I don't know. Is there another one that really stands out to you that makes a lot of sense? I think those are good. I think the Commanders are the last one. Um, Oh, yeah. Commanders are a good one. Their Commanders are a good one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, And I think they're one of the teams we're talking about here. Uh, Yeah, they're on my list here. So, yeah, I mean, they're just interesting because, again, and I'll jump into it. Also, while while I'm going through my next one, which is the Commanders tie, just get a ticker. Trevor Sikama does not want Bill Belichick to coach his favorite team. Just while you know, do that, do that while while I'm moving on here. No, I no, I don't. (laughs) You didn't say that? Oh, you didn't say okay. All right. So the Washington Commanders are my next one here. Um, I do think Belichick would be interesting for them. A lot of people point to the connection to you know Navy and, and being near Annapolis. He obviously did the college game day there the other day. But but also what they did at the deadline was, again, give themselves a, a lot of optionality here. You know, five draft picks that will be in the top 100 uh, if you include the Chase Young compensatory pick, which will be right around there. Um, and I think Sam Howell could be the solution. I think it's been interesting. His pressure to sack rate has come way, way down from the first half of the season to the second half of the season. You do have some intriguing pieces there to work with. I know Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson haven't been super productive this year, but they are there and they're talented players. On defense, you have Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne to kind of build around. Um, some pending free agents like a Kendall Fuller, like a Cameron Curl at safety. But mm-hmm. I think you have a decent nucleus. And then you have the second most cap space in the NFL and those five top 100 draft picks I mentioned. So, do they build around a Sam Howell and add a bunch of talent or, you know, offensive line, go get a Joe Alt, go get an Olu Fashanu to protect the Sam Howell, maybe add an edge rusher in, with one of those picks as well? Or do they, if they keep losing, maybe take another quarterback, start over there again? I think that's going to be fascinating to me is which direction they go. I think I would try to build this plan around Sam Howell and, and just like see where you're at. It depends. If you get a top two pick, you use it on a quarterback. But otherwise, I say, Get, an, get a tackle in there, get an edge rusher in there, maybe another corner in the second round, too, in a, in a pretty deep class, um, and, and just see what you can do. Yeah, uh, shout out the graphics team very quick with the uh, with the ticker there, already getting that up per Brad's request. No, I think that the commanders, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, are a very intriguing team, but I, I think the most intriguing element is the one that you mentioned previously, and that is the ownership factor. New ownership in Washington we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but it could be fantastic, right? I mean, like th- it has the possibility to be every, and, and it it has the possibility to be fantastic, catastrophic, and everything in between. So we just don't know. But if this ends up being an ownership structure that is 
very empowering to the front office and to the head coaches, uh, great with the players, you know, really turning around the organization and the reputation from when Dan Snyder owned the team. Then all of a sudden, like, it's a big market. Like, it, it, D.C. has a rabid fan base, one of the biggest in the NFL, a passionate fan base. And so you can really, I think, hit it big in a turnaround with Washington because I think people look at the commanders and understandably they'll look at this roster and, and you mentioned a lot of the flexibility that they have. Well, they have flexibility because it hasn't gone in the right direction, right? And there's some pieces you like, some pieces you don't. There's parts of this roster that are going to look very different. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it is a situation where you could turn this thing around pretty quickly. Like it's not the worst in the NFL and, and having flexibility is a good thing as long as you have the right ownership that you are working with. So that's why Washington's really intriguing to me. And I think depending on the caliber of potential head coaches that interview for this team, maybe get second interviews and ultimately become the head coach and general manager of this organization, that might, might tell you what they believe about the front office. Because look, I don't know if this is for sure, right? This is kind of speculation here. But given how things have gone in Carolina, it's interesting when you go back a year ago, Ben Johnson interviews for the head coach job and then goes, nah, I'm good actually. I'm going to go back to Detroit and be the offensive coordinator. Did he interview with that job, see what it would have been like working with that front office and that ownership and say, mm, I'm good, actually, you know, so because we have to think about that stuff. So I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. But if, if if it's the opposite in Washington, that's very powerful, like you said. So I think that the commanders are definitely uh, one of those teams that are, are very intriguing. For my next team, I'm going to go with one that's very near and dear to your heart. I have to talk about the Chicago Bears. One of us has to talk about the Chicago Bears here as being one of the most intriguing teams. Not only do they have two picks within the top six now, it was the top five, now it's the top six. They are intriguing because of what Justin Fields has sort of been towards the second half of this season, right? At the beginning of the year, when I watched Justin Fields, I was like, man, more of the same with Justin Fields. Very hesitant, not confident. That ball is just coming out of his hand with no juice. You could tell he's not stepping into it. He's second-guessing himself. This is not a quarterback, no matter how talented, who can win at this level if mentally he is in this state. Over the last, I think it's three games, um, want to make sure. So, no, 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 not even, not even three games. It's much longer than that because I was thinking about the bye week. But if you take out just those first two games, they look terrible from it, week one and week two. If you just go week three to week 14, so just take out those first two games, Justin Fields. 79.6 overall grade, 77.3 passing grade, 74.9 rushing grade. He only has one turnover-worthy throw in that entire stretch, okay? He has more turnover-worthy plays than that, but I went back and I watched all of them. Most of them are fumbles. Most of them are, you know, he's taken off, he's trying to avoid pressure, maybe he's trying to get the ball out quick, whatever it is, and the ball kind of like comes out of his hand via a fumble and that is still a turnover worthy play it counts as a turnover worthy play but i'm talking about is he reading the field incorrectly is he letting the ball go and is it a turnover worthy throw he's only had one of those from week three to week 14 and he's got three big time throws in the last three games so still a lower big time throw rate than you would want but he's going in the right direction and if we have a strong finish to the year for justin fields you have his fourth year you have his fifth-year option still that you could pick up. That's two more years to kind of figure this out. If you have the number one overall pick in this draft, you and I have chatted about this before. 
that's probably three first round picks, right? So if you believe that Justin Fields can still be the guy, you could set your franchise up real well in the draft over the next three years if you end up trading that number one overall pick again. So it's one of those intriguing things where do they go for the move where they can have their cake and eat it too? You're much more plugged into the Bears situation than I am. But to me, this is once again a team that we're going to be talking about all offseason long from free agency all the way through the draft. Thing to, with, with him too, you mentioned the, the splits there. The one turnover worthy throw is is remarkable, frankly, for that entire stretch. And yeah, he missed some time, but still, that's probably six, seven starts in there. Right? Um, is he also? You mentioned the, the confidence in throwing the football. I also think you're finally now seeing, and this is not blaming him. It's fair. The confidence in the protection, which is finally there because you have, you know, your your full troop there. Braxton Jones is back at left tackle. Kevin Jenkins and Nate Davis at the guard spots. And Darnell Wright continuing to be a very impressive rookie, especially with that shoulder looking better. Um, He he was battling Max Crosby with one arm, uh, which I still thought he was impressive in that game. But, like, you see Fields now, I think, not bail from as many clean pockets or be comfortable just stepping up as opposed to drifting to either side. And I think it's because he actually has faith that his protection is going to be solid and again like i'm not blaming him for the 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 former where he didn't trust the protection because he probably should not have um so yeah there has been a ton of growth i mean this past game against detroit the throw to cole commit on the on the deep crosser i think it was one of the best throws i've ever seen him make like an intermediate shot going through probably his, I don't know, second or third read in the progression um and through a laser with perfect placement so yeah there's been a ton of good i think the fascinating thing really is like if the Carolina pick is third overall, I think the, the the narrative is just, hey, we've seen growth, we're excited, we're happy. I think it's more a conversation of just like the timeline of contracts and right. like all these, like it's not even about the football. Um, but yes, they they are going to be fascinating. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah, they. Uh, it will be the second year in a row in which we will talk a lot and do a lot of bear centric mock drafts. All right, who is the last team that you have here as the most intriguing teams for this offseason? Yeah, so the Indianapolis Colts to me are fascinating, and right, it's funny how, it. yeah, how things swing year to year. So, first of all, Anthony Richardson obviously not even playing right now, and this team is in the thick of the AFC wild card picture. I think Shane Steichen should be a serious candidate for Coach of the Year. I'm sure it'll go to a guy that wins a division or makes the playoffs, you know, uh, with a better record, but. Nevertheless, what he's been able to do with a Gardner Minshew, you look at the underlying data for them and like they're not really super strong. I mean, they are like outside the top 20 in EPA per play on offense. They're not super explosive uh, as runners or as passers, but they just matriculate the ball down the field. They're remarkably, um, you know, solid in success rate and, and just making sure, you know, Gardner Minshew does make mistakes. He takes some bad sacks. He has some happy feet at times. He had a game with, I think, nine turnover worthy plays earlier this year. Maybe six or seven it was a very high number but what they've been able to do with a rookie and josh downs with the growth of bernard ryman at left tackle uh will fries at right guard like i think you're just seeing a renewed confidence and faith in the team had talent last year i think they just weren't really motivated and and weren't being put in positions to succeed so i just have all the faith in the world that you get an Anthony Richardson who now gets to adjust to the NFL game, who was one of the youngest rookies in the entire draft class already. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I think injuries like this can be kind of a hidden benefit, a blessing in disguise to where 
he now just grows up as a person. He knows what the NFL life is like, travel and practice and all these things, and now can step in and have fewer boxes to check as he just gets ready to you know, start NFL games. They're fascinating to me. A ton of resources at their disposal. Um, they don't really spend in free agency, but maybe they change that a little bit if they do buy into an Anthony Richardson. I just They're fascinating. I I'm I'm all in on Shane Steichen, man. I was I was so impressed with the game plans that he was able to come up with for Anthony Richardson early on in his NFL career. Because you know we talk about how fragile sometimes young rookie quarterbacks can be, and you know the first half of their rookie season, if you're making them Week One starters, can be make or break for a lot of their careers. And and, and it doesn't have anything to do with talent. It has to do with their confidence, right? We're seeing the polar opposites with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud right now. One of these players is playing with all the confidence in the world, and the other one is playing with about as little as you possibly can and still be a starter at the NFL level. And so those situations and that confidence level drastically go into what kind of talent you end up seeing. And for Richardson, you mentioned how young he was. You mentioned how at UF, it's not like he was this it's not like he was Cam Newton at UF, right? I mean, he was he was still spotty with his accuracy, spotty with his decision making. There were just moments where you go, boom, he's like that is a building block. He sees it. We just got to get him to see it more often. So there's plenty to love and invest in. But that didn't mean that he was going to be good early on in the NFL. And we've seen head coaches before who go, all right, I don't care how young you are. This is my offense. This is how we're going to run it. And we're going to run it until you get it. And sometimes they don't get it. And some talented quarterbacks have not been able to show us the real talent level they have because of those situations. Steichen was different. Man, those first couple of games with Richardson, even when he was a little bit banged up, you're seeing him cook up some like e- e- much easier half-field reads, sale concepts, you know, like where, okay, there's a, all right, I just got to watch where's this defender coming from. Okay. If he's, if he's dropping down, I'm throwing it over the top. If he's staying deep, I'm throwing it underneath and very simple stuff like that throughout the game plan to go, okay, once we master those things, we get your confidence up. We make sure that, you know, you could play in this league and then we'll get into the full field reads. Then we'll get into the, the longer progressions, things like that. He also used design rollouts to play action, the motion. He was already getting those things involved in Richardson's head to where as the rest of his game evolved, all of those things would already be in there. So I just, I I agree with you completely. I've really loved what I've seen from Shane Steigen and, and not even just with Anthony Richardson. When Gardner Minshew came in now, he's also designing a different type of game plan for Gardner Minshew. And this to me is clearly a coach that understands the strengths of players. Let's build around their strengths. Let's mitigate the situations where their weaknesses might show up, and that's how you come up with a great game plan. And that's when you, when you got a coach that can do that for two very different quarterbacks. You know you got the guy who has the experience um, and has the creativity, the willingness to do what it takes uh, to win no matter who's out there, and that's a good head coach. So I agree with you completely. Love the Colts. Shout out. My last one is the Chargers. We, we talked a lot about it. You mentioned how they could be cleaning house completely. General manager could be gone. Head coach could be gone. And basically, it's just Justin Herbert. Now, you mentioned they've got some older guys who have a lot of the money on their salary cap. Do you know how flexible those guys are? Or is it a situation where it's like, man, they've got these dudes for the next probably two years here at least before they can move truly move on from them? Because to me, 
that's the only thing sitting in the way from ushering in a new era of Chargers football. You know, beyond maybe Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, Keenan Allen's probably um, going to be out of there in a couple of years, right? And so, like, it's just a totally new identity for this team. What's the contracts look like of those guys that are taking up a lot of the cap? Mack, Williams, and Allen are on the final year of their deal next year, so you can't even restructure it without extending them, and you're mm-hmm. not extending any of those players. Maybe Keenan Allen, I suppose, as like a franchise legend, but like, yeah, no, it's not only that they have these exorbitant numbers tied to the players, they also don't have flexibility to move them around. Um, you can approach a player and say, hey, can we tack on void years to, you know, but why would they say yes to that for some of those guys? Can why would they help out the team? Would they, would they cut them? Yeah, that's that's the cut them or trade them and get not a very good trade return because you're still yeah. moving, you know, 15 million plus salaries for all of those players. No, I'm saying they're in the worst situation probably of any team in the NFL. You know, <laughs> it's not a great situation to be in when when you have that tag. That's just not uh, that's not ideal. That's not what you want to go with. Uh, we're going to get into some of our guys. We're going to fast forward the offseason timeline and we're going to get a little bit into the draft. Brad's been telling me, hey, I've been watching a lot more prospects this year than I have in the past. I'm a lot more ahead of these guys than I have been in the past. So figured, all right, let's get into some my guys. Let's get we're gonna give you guys each three my guys that we have. But before we do that, gotta talk to you about our friends over at Prize Picks. So Prize Picks, it is a daily fantasy sports platform where you take multiple entries, you bundle it all up, and if all of them hit, oh then you cash out beautifully. So our producer, Eli, he's been cooking up the PFF NFL show prize pick lineups. And today, this is what he's cooked up for you. I think he's pretty confident in this one. Eli, let me know in the chat if how confident you are. But I, if I remember correctly, you were like, this is going to hit. It's going to hit. Jamar Chase, more than 64 and a half receiving yards this week against Minnesota. Debo Samuel, more than 61 and a half receiving yards versus Arizona and then Kyron Williams more believe yeah because it's not highlighted but I believe he said more than 80 and a half rushing yards because Kyron Williams has been going off lately and I cannot imagine Eli is going to doubt Kyron Williams so that's what we got here for the lineup you guys can go cook yours up over at prize picks if you're also into basketball, it's not just football stuff. If you're also into basketball, you can certainly get into the basketball entries that they have there as well. It's a multi-sport platform kind of a thing. But Price Picks also has a really cool thing where you can combo select from multiple sports leagues in the special leagues tab. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include at least like two or more players from different sports leagues. The example that they give is you could have LeBron James and Travis Kelsey over, or sorry, more than 10 and a half three-pointers made, and receptions caught. So if you think that one of them or both of them have a juicy line and you want to combine them just because you you think you know a lot about both sports, you could do that over at Price Picks. Price Picks also has a reboot policy because we've all been there. You know, you put in an entry and you're like, damn, this guy got hurt in the first quarter uh, or like the first play of the game, whatever. Oh, bet's out the window. I'm pissed. Well, Price Picks has a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you got a player who exits the game uh, in the first half and doesn't return for the second, players automatically rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily sp- fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to pricepicks.com backslash PFFNFL. Same promo because now we got it. Use the promo code PFFNFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is pricepicks.com backslash PFFNFL. Use the promo code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to 100 
$1,500. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox Onabotulinum Toxin A prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, let's get into our three my guys that we have. It's December, you know, so things could, you know, we could have some guys that are a little bit more of my guys, a little bit closer to the draft process, but here it sits. Regular season's done in college football. We're about to get into bowl season. Who are some guys that you've watched this year that are draft eligible, Brad, that you are kind of planting your flag on here early? Yeah, one guy we talked about forever ago that I said it was a hot take. It was an intentionally hot take when I said I think Jalen McMillan's my favorite wide receiver on Washington. Uh, he might be the third receiver taken in the draft from Washington, but nonetheless, uh, I love my guy Jalen McMillan. Came back for the Pac-12 championship game. I think he's your classic. I don't do comps. I, I don't have comps. Maybe one for Kate Stover, but he's like your classic big slot fluid route runner. I think super smooth over the middle. Um, yeah, good nuance to his game. Like I think breaks off routes with, with good footwork, no wasted movement. I think he attacks DB's leverage really well, kind of gets in their hip pocket, gets in their blind spots um, and then finds ways to get open. And I just like him too, because he can win deep. He can, he can catch, you know, screen, tunnel screens, and get yards after the catch. He also is a good ball tracker in the air down the field. He's just to me that classic, like, vertical threat out of the slot. I guess I should watch more of him as a blocker, which would be an element there. I obviously did not filter to blocking snaps for my my uh, favorite guy in, in the draft. But just like a 6'1", 200 pounds around there, and just a very fluid mover. I think that new kind of prototype of the big slot, I, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I recently... Watched Jalen McMillan again, and he was he was pretty impressive to me. I mean, just he, he has an ability to get open, find those soft spots in the zone. He's not as fluid as like Jackson Smith and Jigba was last year, but he wins in pretty similar ways. Like, right, he finds the leverage. He understands the position really well. He's great against zone coverage. Um, and I think he's a pretty decent athlete as well. So he's somebody who I think is getting lost in this in this receiver class, so I'm glad that you uh, that you shouted him out. First guy I want to shout out, Notre Dame linebacker, Marist Leofo. Uh, this dude I did not really know about, and then I'm popping on some Notre Dame tape, and he is the long-haired linebacker in the middle of that defense who is flying everywhere. I was actually watching, man, I, I was watching, I can't remember if it was Cam Hart or if it was 
uh, Howard Cross, their defense tackle, but I was actually watching somebody else and he kept popping on tape and I was like, okay, I'm canceling my afternoon plans and I'm watching another player because I've got to get to this dude, number eight, and I've really enjoyed him. It's not a strong linebacker class. You know, Barrett Carter from Clemson announced that he was going back. Um, we've got Edron Cooper in the draft. We've got Peyton Wilson in the draft. Danny Stutzman from Oklahoma also said that he's going back. So a lot of the guys who could have potentially been in the top five linebackers of this class are going back to school now. Leah Flo, I, if, if he is in the class, he is to me going to be a top five linebacker. Just the way that he plays is so great. And you guys saw it on the screen there. He's got an 89.0 coverage grade over the last couple of years. And I think it's just that fluidity, that explosiveness, that recognition, that experience that he has. To me, he's not getting talked about enough. He hits you with a ton of power. And I think he's got great range in coverage, even if the instincts and I think the feel is still a little bit of a work in progress. He's enough of an athlete to where you say, okay, I'm going to bet on this. We're going to keep working with him in coverage because I think he's got the athletic ability, that fluidity to be one of those linebackers that carries a lot of value that you can draft decently high. So uh, he is somebody, Leofo, uh, that I have watched lately. Uh, he, I didn't get to him until uh, a couple of weeks ago, but he's somebody who really impressed me, and I like him a lot in this linebacker class. I think one of the top five, like, uh, not cliches, but like the when you're a draft guy, which I'm, I'm starting to feel like I am one now, is you say, I was watching someone else, and I this guy just kept popping up on tape. It's and I true, man. It's true. It's so true. Oh, it it's is. the truest thing ever. No, I've, I've, I've now experienced it. Um, I also know that the urge to tweet out when a guy that you liked a couple of years ago, like flashes in the NFL, yeah. it's impossible not to fire off a tweet. Like, you just oh, gotta my do goodness. It. Yeah. And it's yeah. and it's the best because it can happen at any time. Right. It could happen yeah. in training camp. It could happen in their first year. It could happen in their second year. It could happen in their 10th year. Whatever. Yeah. You're pulling out the draft take. If they make one good play. To, to validate the scouting report, you're tweeting yep. it out. You're making sure everybody knew that, uh, that you looked at, that you like this guy pre-draft. Just wait until you start getting into those moments where it's like, oh, I was watching somebody else and then I saw this guy, and he ends up being like a freshman or a sophomore. So you can't even you can't even evaluate him yet. You got to wait an entire year for that to be the case. That was uh, that was Luther Burden for me a little bit yeah. this year, the wide receiver from Missouri who could very well be wide receiver one next year. He is somebody who is like damn, I, this guy could be wide receiver three in this year's class, and uh, he's not even eligible yet. So, we'll, But yeah. we'll get to him, and we'll get to a lot of those other guys. Who, who else you got on this list? Yeah, he's a star for sure. Um, yeah, so the next one here is Cade Stover out of Ohio State. And, and oh, I man. think for me with him, like he's the classic tight end that'll go probably, I don't know, round three, maybe round four, and just immediately be a, a very solid inline tight end. Uh, I think he is a good blocker, I mean, not a great blocker, but a capable blocker, a willing blocker, um, and then sure-handed. Like I, I mentioned, I don't do comps. He does kind of have shades of like a like a Jake Ferguson, and not just because Jake Ferguson's his hot name right now, but uh, you and I went to the Senior Bowl that year when Ferguson, I thought, flashed as much as kind of any player in that class. Um, had a miraculous catch um, uh, in, in one of the practices, and, and I went back and watched a lot of Wisconsin tape afterwards. But like, just like your big buddy guy that can win up the seam, another guy like you mentioned that finds soft spots in zones. He's not a great athlete, but sure-handed has their zero drops on the year and does have a decent average depth of target. So it's not just like he's catching a bunch of screens and quick outs and and leaking and, and getting you know just easy targets. He does run routes down the field, some corners, some post routes that were impressive. So yeah, like he's not. The sharpest guy is not the 
like you know like like you know um most explosive guy like you know anything like that but he's just so solid um and i think a team will take him you know pick 85 to 125 and just be happy with that pretty much immediately yeah i i like stover man he he is just a I agree completely with your assessment. He's just a really solid football player. He's somebody who's going to be a, to, to to play in the league for a while. I don't think he's going to be this early round pick and maybe not, not even top 75 pick because his draft is, is stacked. But he is somebody that you want on your team as a tight end two, as a tight end three, as a special teams type of a player. Uh, and when if you ever have an injury to your tight end lineup, like he can definitely move up the depth chart because he's got plenty of uh, starting experience now at tight end. Yeah, funny story about him. He was actually a defensive player when he was coming into college. He was a yeah, he's been a defensive end before. He's been a linebacker. Then they moved him back to defensive end. Then they moved him over to tight end. So he's only been a like full time. OK, I am a tight end for. I think this is his third year now as a full-time tight end. And he just he he gets it, man. He's just a football player. Loves the physical parts of the game, and you need that for a backup tight end. So I agree with you. Really solid football player. I like that. Uh, he would have been somebody who could have been on my list as well. I'm going to shout out Auburn cornerback DJ James. And I don't know. Like, some people might hear him. Some people that are really in the draft and be like, oh, yeah, okay. I know who DJ James is, of course. And there are other people who you hear of guys in this cornerback class the Terion Arnold, the Kool-Aid McKinstry, Nate Wiggins, uh, Kalen King, right? Kamari Lassiter, a lot of other corners that you might hear before DJ James's name. And to me, he's in that tier. That, I don't know if he's in tier one, but like he's close to the he he needs a little more a lot more recognition, is basically what I'm saying. You see this over the last two years, over 800 coverage snaps. So that's not like total snaps, that's coverage snaps that he is playing. 91.8 coverage grade an elite coverage grade and in single coverage alone this guy loves press man coverage he's six foot one and he's a little bit slender he's like 165 170 maybe so the weight is a bit of a concern and you definitely see that on tape that this is a skinnier player but he's fearless he'll get up in your face very comfortable with his back to the ball his movement skills are fantastic the explosiveness the body control which you know it better be because he's at a lower weight, but it is. So you don't want to take that away from him. Just love this mentality that this guy plays with. He's got a lot of good ball production over the last couple of years. And when it comes to teams that are very aggressive in how they play, whether it's allocating a lot of pressure up front and playing man coverage in the back, or just straight up loving to say, hey, you go shut down that player and just letting them be a good cover corner, that's the type of dude that DJ James is. So to me, it's a nice cornerback class, and there are a lot of names that people are talking about. DJ James is not getting mentioned enough as one of the best cover corners in this class. I love it. I feel like Auburn low-key just has been pumping out like good day two corners for years yeah, now. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a as a as a noted Tampa Bay Buccaneer football watcher, yeah, uh, yeah. can confirm that uh with with both Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. So all right, who's your last guy? Yeah, so sticking with the same position, uh, Oregon cornerback Kyrie Jackson, who jumped out to me uh, in the Colorado game back when Colorado was appointment television, which seems like so, so long ago. But um, a, a big physical player. I think he's like 6'3", 195, around that range, um, but still has good fluidity, good lateral agility, can flip his hips pretty well. Um, the first Washington game, they went after him a little bit, and I think he bounced back in the second one. Obviously, they lost, and Washington did score a bunch. But I think you saw them target the guy that was not being covered by Kyrie Jackson for a lot of those reps. I think there was one Odunze bomb against him. But nevertheless, like 
Oh, well, DJ gets bombed against everybody. So, you know, yeah, like, exactly. everybody, everybody's won. He gets one free mulligan when he's going up against Odunze. Exactly, exactly. Only fair for like a top 15 pick. But yeah, so like I think really for him with me, like he, he can jam at the line. He can also sit back in, in zone in a cover three and play his deep third. Um, I think he has very good spatial awareness. Like I said, pretty good, you know, laterally for his size, but then also is willing to throw his body around, come up and make tackles, run the alley um, and, 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 you know, like be an Oregon DB. He's a transfer from Alabama. Um, you can tell he has, you know, kind of a lot of that. Like I mentioned, like early down zone, late late down man, and and just kind of feels comfortable in both environments. Um, yeah, like I don't know how early he'll go. I don't really know how any of these guys are. You know, that's your job. But but I think tools wise, a very intriguing player. And then I always love I love corners that are, that want to tackle. It's just it's just it's just fun that way. Yeah, I think he's got top fifty tools. You know, I think that the big question with him is going to be certainly. I don't mean to say this is just like a cop out, but confirming the athletic tests at the combine is going to be big for him. And then team interviews, right? Because like he was suspended at Alabama. He leaves Alabama. It's like, all right, well you had the chance to, and and I can't remember where he was before then, but it was a much smaller school. I think it was a Juco school. It might've been, it might've been independence. It might've been the last chance you school, if I remember correctly, but he was at a smaller school. Then he transfers to Alabama, plays a little bit that first year, a little bit more that second year. Then he gets suspended then he transfers over to Oregon. And so just kind of like answering some of those questions and in the interviews, I think are going to be what might put him as either a top 100 prospect or a top 50 prospect, because he does have a ton of tools. I know Anthony Tresh, um, our PFF colleague likes Jackson a lot. He was somebody who uh, hit me up about him. And he's just like, what do you think about this guy? So uh, Anthony Tresh on board with one of your, my guys, I'm stick with corner. I guess it's a cornerback theme, but I couldn't get out of the show without mentioning Mikey Sanders still the nickel cornerback from Michigan. Uh, this class is loaded with guys who can play nickel. And I am a firm believer that every team in the NFL needs a good specialized nickel corner. Cause they're different. They, they are different from outside corners. They're a different breed. They're a different build. And it's just a different mentality. When you're playing close to the line of scrimmage, when you are playing up against so many different shapes and sizes of wide receivers that, that offenses will put in, in, in the slot. And when you look at this 2023 season from Samristil, 83.5 coverage grade, 80.3 coverage grade against a clean pocket, and then an 81.8 coverage grade when time to throw is less than three seconds. So, you know, that's kind of the beauty of PFF data is we can sort a lot of this stuff. You can take out those throws where it's like, okay, if the quarterback's holding out of the ball for longer than three seconds, who's going to be able to cover these guys? So the coverage grade is obviously going to go a little bit further. So when you can contextualize it a little bit better that gives you a true gauge of how well these guys can 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 cover um within a regular set of circumstances so sam Rasil is somebody who you mentioned you love guys who come up and hit not afraid to be physical he is absolutely that type of player he's a great blitzer he loves to help and run support he loves to get physical with you he's a little bit smaller and he's not the fastest dude when it comes to long speed but the short area explosiveness which is a key athletic attribute to playing the slot position to guard these wide receivers who have the two-way freedom and the two-way flexibility with different routes. That's the kind of player that you need. So I love the mentality. I love the physicality. I love the type of athlete that he is. And I think that he is going to be a starting nickel player at the next level. He's also a guy like I feel like every time you watch a big Michigan game, you see him make plays, which is kind of like a dumb way to look at it. But yeah, I mean, big, big time players make big time plays and big time games. Yeah. That's, that's my scouting. Uh, you know, mantra number one. So yeah, look, you can't, you can't go wrong with preaching that as a scouting mantra. You know, it's kind of a cliche, 
and it's a, you know, it's a, it's it's a little bit low risk of a of a phrase to hang your hat on. But uh, hey, you're never you're never gonna go broke taking a profit. So that's why Brad Spielberg is the best. That's why he's here. All right, you want to do it? Is it time? I think it's time. Let's it's get time. into the most iconic segment that we have here on the PFF Network. It is an IJF. It's just football throwback. Drip or skip, baby. People who watched It's Just Football last year know this segment. Brad, you have not done a, a, a drip or skip yet, correct? I have not done a drip or skip. Uh, shout out Drip Bayless, Skip Bayless. I'm assuming <laughs> that's what we're talking about here. Uh, but no, I have not participated. So here's how this segment goes. Uh, our producers are going to throw up a picture of an NFL player from earlier this season and their pregame fit, their pregame attire. And Brad and I have to talk about it and determine whether or not it is a drip in which we could rock it or we just respect it or it's a skip. Like, all right, we can't do this. This is this is this is something that you got to throw away after you can't be wearing this again. Uh, Tyler, if you are ready, then then, then we are ready with the first one. I, I, I think I think the first one is Brock Purdy. OK, this is all right. This is not pregame <laughs> Brock Purdy. This is just straight up black hoodie, black pants, making pizza at home. Honestly, for at-home attire, I got to go with the drip because I wear this monochromatic black-on-black sweatpants and hoodie combo all the time. So I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't go with drip. What do you think, Brad? We had a friend that in college that called the gray sweatshirt or gray hoodie with gray sweatpants a grout fit, and she was like big on the grout fit. This is kind of it's a blout fit, I guess. And <laughs> I agree with you. Like the joggers at home making a, a weirdly shaped pizza, like a triangular pizza. Yeah, I mean it plays. Like you said, things that we would wear. Yeah, I would wear this. That's not my gauge, frankly. If I wouldn't wear it, I probably will respect the the uh, the outfit more. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that that plays. Okay, all right, that's a drip. So first, first one's a drip. We need you guys in the in the chat to make sure that you're sounding off on these as well. Let us know whether you think they are a drip or skip. So okay, what's the next one? Who's the next one? Is the next one also Brock Purdy? Okay, the next one. This is this is get you a man who could do both. Brock Purdy here. We had the we had the black on black sweatpants hoodie combo. Now we're getting what is this? The Kirk Cousins collection? I think this you is got the Cole's cash for this one for sure. Yeah, I think this is a straight up Cole's cash, and it looks like a nice little bomber jacket over a uh, over a a flannel button down. We've got some khakis and some classic white shoes. It's hard for me to say this is a skip. It's just so high floor. You know what I'm saying? I think I've got to say as much as it's not a high drip, I feel like I have to say, I feel like I have to kind of say drip here. A skip for me. That's like if you're walking a like you, you get the day you're you're a Catholic school where you get a uniform and they give you like <laughs> no uniform Fridays and you're like oh I got I got a fit I'm gonna get off today because they're letting us take a day off like that's that's what I see here that, that's a skip for me. Alex Alex in the chat says this is his mom dressing or this is mom dressing me for pictures on picture day when I was in high school. Okay, correct. So that means it's got to be a skip, right? Because you're not insulting your mom's, you know. <laughs> judgment of your clothes here i'm not i'm not gonna insult mom like that so all right i guess tyler's going officially with a skip i guess it wasn't flashy enough all right who we got next yeah. oh who is this is this aiden is this aiden hutchinson it looks hutch. like hutch I, this is hutch okay so it's hutch who's on the shirt this is the this is the classic step brothers i think yeah, yeah. is but it, it what is it is it jared goff and who is this hendon hooker who's on I'm the shirt Ra? I think it might be him and Amon. Oh maybe? yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's him small. and Amon. 
Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, we didn't. Uh, we have the shirt, obviously, which great meme in the shirt. We have to also appreciate the entire look here. It's jorts that are probably about an inch too high. All right. Different colored shoes out here with the different colored laces. And then peep the water jug in the right hand, bringing the meathead look all together. I mean, this is a drip for me. This is an absolute fit for me. I agree with everything you just said. First of all, the, the odds there's Himalayan pink salt in that water jug, like one to one. Oh, 100%. Yes. And then secondly, though, the jorts, are, the jorts are not an inch too long. They're probably two inches, too, or not an inch too short. They're probably two inches too long. <laughs> okay. I need more thigh. It's guys out, thighs out for my guy Hutch. But otherwise, that's some drip. There it is, baby. We got the drip. That was a great, you know, great call out on the pink Himalayan salt. I feel like one bodybuilder one time made a video 20 years ago about putting pink Himalayan salt because it really could be, you know, it, it's really any kind of sodium that gets you the electrolytes, right? But somebody said once pink Himalayan salt, just a little bit. I mean, the, the, the difference is so marginal, but uh, I agree. You know, the Hutch is going with that. That's the drip. All right. Who we got next? What's next? Oh, who's this one? Browning. Jake, Jake Browning. Browning. Oh. Jake Brown. What do we have here? What's it's like the he patterns? it's like he borrowed this outfit from Quinn. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was about to say Quinn's gonna kick us off here based on our comments. Yeah. Quinn would rock a a special. Quinn like that, would though. absolutely rock this. Yeah. Yeah. With a, is that like a frocket in the middle there? Is that like a like a kangaroo frocket? Uh, it's a front pocket for those unfamiliar. Is that what's going on there? Like I don't even. Or is, like it, a, is it? Does it at least have like the hand pouch, or is it just like the upper pouch? That's what I'm saying. It's like a built-in. Uh, what what do you call those things? The belt. Uh, you know. With I call the it with an the pouch iPad holder. Yeah, you lot. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm not enough of a fashion icon. I can't tell you. I no, I don't know not. what the hat is either. I'm not a big. I'm not gonna lie. Like, not only am I not a big fan of the shapes, I'm not a big fan of the colors. They don't. They also don't have anything to do with either the Washington Huskies where he played, nor the Cincinnati Bengals where he plays currently. So my guy's going rogue on a fashion statement that I can't agree with, and for that, I'm out. This is a. This is a. This is a skip for me. <laughs> Thank you, Eli, for fanny pack is what the words I was trying to find. Oh, fanny like pack. He has like a, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. a built-in fanny pack on this thing. Yeah, the thing here, I think this could – I'm going to get really like Gen Z is going to make fun of me. I think this could be drip if he had more Riz. Let's just throw all the – like all the – but I, like he, he's looking a little Rizless here. And so that there, therefore, I'm with you. This is Drip Bayless, a.k.a. Skip. Uh, I'm with you on this one. <laughs> if he wasn't as Riz <laughs> – Oh, that's what I see. I call it like I see it. Oh, we appreciate you for it. How many more we got? We got one more, two more. What do we got? Oh, Justin oh. Fields. I mean, God, this, God, the see-through. I mean, let's be real here. This is as drippy as it gets. This is drippier than Niagara Falls look, out here. Come on, look, now. look. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Correct. You know what? You know what? Actually, yeah, I could. You know what? I could do it. I could do it. In fact, on the show next week on Tuesday, I'm gonna wear this exact outfit. Um, this is obviously a drip. Don't think I could pull it off. Brad, obviously. I don't, could. yeah, I don't think you could either respectfully. Uh, I couldn't, that's for sure. I'm not saying I could. What I really uh, want to see, I, what I really want to see is Jake Browning actually do this one instead. 
Yeah, I don't know how that would play. Uh, yeah, he should, he should try. He should try, but I don't, I don't know how it would play. Don't sleep he, in the jeans either. It's a good combo. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's JF1. Come on now. It is. Yeah, the, he's yeah he's 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 playing on the field the way that he's walking into the stadium. And I think that you just you've got to see that that's at an elevated level at the second half of this season. So, yeah, this is absolutely a drip. This is absolutely a drip here. Uh, we got one more. How many more do we have, Tyler? Three more, starting here with your man, Kyler oh. Murray. Oh, this is Kyler. This looks like a Tide Pod, right? Like if you're doing laundry and you, you don't you, you need one of those pods, you just toss it in there. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm it, saying here. Yeah, it looks like a Tide Pod that expired five years ago. Yeah, Michelin I Man. I can't. There's <laughs> Michelin Man vibes. See, his jorts, uh, I, I don't know. Are they jorts? They kind of look like jorts. They're like pink jorts. Yeah, the, only thing I can rock, the only thing I'm rocking with here is the shoes. That's about all I'm oh, I like the shoes. I don't hate the beanie either. This also, to me, is like a guy that lives in Arizona, and then he's going to a cold-weather place for a game. I assume oh, this is an away yeah. game. Otherwise, yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, right, and it's like, right. you don't really, like, you know, you have a buddy who's from, like, a, like a, the desert area who comes to college at, like, the Midwest, and he, like, doesn't know how to dress when it gets below 40 degrees? Like, that's that's the vibe I'm getting there, which Brother, is probably that, you, I guess. That I was gonna, to I you. was going to say, that was me. I, I went from <laughs> I went from Florida for 28 years. I lived in Charlotte for a year and a half, and then I went straight to the frozen tundra that is Cincinnati, Ohio. So, yeah, I basically owned three hoodies before i moved to cincinnati and uh i i got educated real quick so yeah maybe this is me so I, i'm gonna give this a i'm gonna give this a skip but uh firm skip probably the hardest yeah. skip that we've had yet on the show but agree it all, agree it looks also, like colgate toothpaste that's the last the last thing i'm saying that's, a, that's skip. a good one that's a good yeah. one yeah but like the kids version you know correct where it's correct the, the weird the weirder color yeah yeah okay all right skip, skip. all right what we got next two more oh is tea. that the t is this t Mr. Looks Higgins. Like yeah. Is it? Okay, so it's Higgins. Yeah. Okay, all right. All right, it's T. Higgins. God, he's rocking it. Again, I could never. This is like the, look, he's got the pouch, but it's on the outside. This is like yeah. the reverse Jake Browning. Mm-hmm. So I feel I as like though that. just off principle, we have to give this a, 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 a drip. The pouch plays. Here's my thing. The dri top half drip. Bottom half with those cargo ass looking jeans, skip. So I'm 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 dri I'm dripping up top, skipping down below. NFL Street one looking jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also look at look at the flash. Look at the flash on the wrists and on the neck. I mean, my guy yeah. just he 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 lets you know he's got it. And for yeah. that, it's I, I think it's it's a drip. I think we've got it. Yeah, drip. I agree. Okay, I agree. All right, all right. Hard drip here. He's he's rocking it well as well. So good job, IT there. This is the last one. I think it's the last one. Is this Quinn? Is it gonna be Quinn? Quinn himself? Oh, oh my God. goodness. You know who it is. This is DeVito. Oh yeah. I missed this. What I don't even I know what material is that jacket. It looks like Lady Gaga's meat suit material up top. Yeah, but like a suede version of it. I don't yeah. man, this is yeah. This is as hard of a drip as we've had here on this show. I mean, I'm in Queens right now, and I think if I said skip, I might be sleeping with the fishes in half an hour. So I'm just going to go with a hardcore drip. I, I feel that way regardless. The shoes play for me. I, I like the I like the shoes. Who's got Who's got the harder drip? Tommy DeVito or his agent with the with oh, the, Sean Stellato, the, 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 the black the black pinstripe yeah. and the and the fedora. 
Yeah, the three piece with the fedora. Yeah, and a, a time piece, not a watch, a time piece. That, yeah, that's, right. that's how drippy that fit was. Right, yeah. right, right. There, there actually is. You're, you're correct. You, there is a, there is a moment where a watch becomes a timepiece. Is elevated to that is what you are calling it, and there's no doubt about it that his agent and his watch collection is just timepieces it's just a timepiece collection so with tommy devito ended it out on a uh on a drip there we 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 love to see it i i love that segment man that's such a fun little segment hopefully you guys in the chat enjoyed it as well haven't done that one in a while probably since uh the itch shift football day so brad this is a lot of fun man appreciate you joining the show this is a good time yeah thanks for having me and uh yeah excited to uh, be annoying about the draft uh for many more months to come Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, obviously, you and I are on this show at least once a week as well. So we'll have to. You and I got to either either we got to do it again on this show or we got to do it on Stock Exchange. We got to get you an outlet to where you could really get off those NFL draft takes. So we got to we, we got to be able to do that. Appreciate everybody watching and listening to the show. Have a fantastic weekend. I am Trevor Sikama. That is Brad Spielberger for Sam Monson and Steve Palazzolo. Everybody producing the show as well. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week.